You've tuned into the Soundcast Stereo. I am Christopher Coleman. I'm on Channel One, and I think things being overrated is totally underrated. And I'm Kristen Romanelli. I'm on Channel Two, and I love the 90s. Soundcast Stereo episodes are two channel 30 minute ish conversations focused on a single topic from the world of film, television, or video game soundtracks. You can find all the Soundcast episodes at thesoundcast.com or on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, Google Play Podcasts, and all over the place. You can send us your feedback at soundcast at tracksounds.com. Leave us a voicemail on our SpeakPipe widget or hit us up at Audio Soundcast or at Tracksounds on Twitter or on Facebook. Today is Sunday, April 22nd, 2018. And this is episode 27, where Christopher and I answer the question, what are some of the most underrated modern film scores? What are some of the most underrated modern film scores, Kristen? I feel like there are an awful lot. (laughs) Yes, there probably are. Uh, And modern, I stuck in there just so we're not being held accountable for things that came out in 19... 34 and 1952. Right. Um, we're going for I mean, recent memory. I could go on about Dmitry Tiomkin being underrated if yeah, you yeah, want. Right. But I'm not sure. We'll do I'm a, not sure if many people will follow. We'll do a classic edition of this someday <laughs> to appease all of those who are pulling their hair out right now. What about all the early stuff? <laughs> we'll, we'll do a pure classic edition of this underratedness. Um, but for this episode, we are going to talk about more modern stuff, probably uh, early 90s, eight, lady, eight ladies, late 80s. That was a weird eight Freudian. Ladies. That was a very weird Freudian slip. <laughs> eight ladies. <laughs> late 80s. I, that's a, there's a T-shirt in there somewhere. Late ladies. I mean, eight, the late 80s. Um, 90s and forward from there. Um, so this kind of is weird that the, the, the idea of talking about this really came from, um, a tweet or an article that I tweeted out last week, which had a modicum of controversy to it. I don't think it's very controversial because the point, um, was to get people talking about this particular topic, which was, uh, the most underrated John Williams scores, which is a article written by Adam Lowe's. And published on the Hot Corn, which is the weirdest name of a site I've ever heard in my <laughs> life. Um, but I just happened to stumble across it, and there were some entries in there that were very weird to me. Um, and so I thought, eh, let's put it out there and see what people think. And it got a lot of discussion uh, in my Twitter feed. Uh, there were some titles that would seem obviously uh, what seemed to many that was just flat out wrong, like Superman being on that list. But others chimed in on Twitter saying they they can make a case why Superman was actually underrated these days um, because of other things of his, of John Williams being so much more in the spotlight. Um, and there was rebuttals to that and all that, but it was a good, it was a good conversation that was, that was being had there. So um, rather than limit it to John Williams, because every episode of this podcast could be about John Williams and Star Wars if we wanted it to be. Star (laughs) Wars. We will will talk about uh, John Williams, but we're going to talk about other composers as well. James Newton Howard, Michael Giacchino, Jerry Goldsmith, James Horner, Alan Silvestri, and Hans Zimmer. 
And so we're, we're not going to try to give out the most underrated score of all time from each composer, but we're going to suggest a title that we personally feel is an underrated title from that composer. And hopefully yes. that will generate some some fun conversation uh, as well, because everyone's going to have their own um, thoughts on this. And it's easy to do. What's our favorite? What's the best? Blah, blah, blah. But this is a little different category. And it's hard. It's hard to pick yeah. underrated. Some, some of these guys have such a vast catalog. Jerry Goldsmith, he has a deep catalog. Yeah. A lot of it's underrated and a lot of it is on terrible movies. So it didn't get as much exposure mm -hmm. as say Star Trek, the motion picture, which right. isn't a great movie, but an amazing score. I love that movie. <laughs> I like that movie too. It's, it's, it's sci-fi. It, it is sci-fi. It's very sci-fi. It's, I, I feel it's complicated. It's just oh, misunderstood. No. True. <laughs> True. It anyway, is. It is complicated. Anyway. Yeah, but we won't go there. That's for another episode. <laughs> this um. best discussion for another day. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's start this one off then right away here with John Williams because that's the one everyone likes to listen to, talk about, think mm -hmm. about. So these aren't our favorites. They're not. Um, the, the, it's not what we consider the best. We're just pulling out those that we think they're 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 better than they've been talked about. Um, and their suggestions yeah, come up. This is, you may agree, you may disagree. Yeah, absolutely. And I had you to change mine. I had yeah, hopefully. Um I changed mine a couple times because I thought I, I I had suggested some that were like nominated for Oscars and stuff. I'm like, you know, you really can't be too underrated if you got nominated for big awards like that. So I, I changed a couple of mine as I was going forward. Um uh I think something can still be underrated even though it was nominated, but I felt mm, I, there's probably some better choices I could make. So um, why don't you start uh, first, Kristen, with your uh, one of the most underrated John Williams scores. All right. Um, I'm going with something that I put into my playlist for when I was on jury duty. Mm. Um, <laughs> Presumed Innocent from uh -huh. 1990. Um, and apparently this is a controversial choice. Um mm. We love jazzy Johnny Williams. We love symphonic maestro Williams. But mm -hmm. we sometimes forget that he does do minimalist sometimes. Mm -hmm. And this is one of his more stark scores. But it's, it's really clever and introspective. Mm -hmm. And it has textures and layering. And he starts to experiment with synths in it. It's, it's a really cool thing to listen to. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. It's not among my favorites, but but I would say you're probably right. It certainly doesn't get talked about very often at all, and it and it's something so different from him um, compared to the rest of his oeuvre. Um, <laughs> it's it's very different, and and so that's an uh, interesting choice. Um, I chose something from 1990 as well, which is his original score to the film Stanley and Iris. Um, it just got a re-release back in last year from Veres Urban, a deluxe edition with, I think it's expanded. Um, and I just think that is an absolutely beautiful, beautiful score. It's the main theme that I think people know the most. Um, but throughout, there are some really beautiful moments uh, throughout that score. And prior to the re-release or, or that release from Veres, there was not, at least from the circles I talk in, there's never any talk about that score really um very very seldom and i think it's uh 
it it's just it's one of his most beautiful scores and one of his most beautiful themes that he's done and i find it um a score that deserves to be talked about more uh did you have you listened to the new release from last year um, I haven't listened to the new release yet. No, I should look that up. Oh yeah, but I do. I do agree. A lot of his scores like this have been overlooked for a lot of his genre work. Um, yeah, Accidental yeah. Tourist is another one. Yeah, that I I can't say it's underrated because we've brought it up a couple of times. But that's that's certainly a favorite that doesn't get mentioned a lot. Yeah. I think. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Were there, well, well, there are two scores <laughs> from John Williams that you may or may not have ever heard of. And so we would say, take a chance, have a listen to Presumed Innocent and Stanley and Iris. All right, let's move on to the next composer, which is going to be James Newton Howard. And these aren't, these composers aren't listed in any particular order, really. Um, what did you put down for J&H? Uh, for J and H, this is a tough one uh-huh. um, because he has a lot of great comedy work that I like to go into. But I did not choose a comedy; I chose uh, sort of a supernatural horror, *Stir of Echoes*, based on the Richard Matheson short story. Mm. Um, and this is from the late '90s, '98, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure, but. Um, I'm pretty sure it doesn't have a full soundtrack release. It was just released on a compilation with a couple of cues from the score and um, the licensed music. Mm-hmm. So this is one that I would love to hear more of. Um, I've, I've had this CD since, God, freshman year of college, I think. Wow. Um, but I do come back to it. It's very ghostly, very creepy hmm. um it's one so i've never if, heard and i never saw the movie oh okay um i wouldn't say it's a great movie but i really like the music it's it's a uh, haunting james newton howard what's it in the ballpark of what other work or is it totally unique mm, i would say it's pared down um Shyamalan interesting word yeah. Very interesting. Hmm. Wow. So when you say Shyamalan, that's that even that's kind of a broad, you know, you've got you've got Unbreakable through Signs through more, After more Earth. More Sixth Sense. More Sixth Sense, gotcha. Okay. And it was released around the same time as the Sixth Sense. Oh right. That was what, ninety nine? Sixth Sense was ninety nine, two thousand? I forget. Uh I forget. Yeah, it's somewhere in there. Okay. Interesting. Stir up echoes. I will have to look that up. So there was a release. It was just a very minimal one. Yeah, it was a combination album. All right. They don't do those so much these days, thankfully. No, thank goodness. <laughs> so uh, I have it brought up, and it's only, gosh, one, two, three. Eight tracks out of 15. So like okay, half, half okay. which is which is actually pretty good for that era. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Not bad, not bad. Okay, stir of echoes. Yeah. Um, I have put down Blood Diamond, which mm. I don't think at the time it was released back in two thousand six. At the time, I think it got fairly good buzz, 
But I think over the course of the last decade plus, it's kind of been forgotten about. And I think it's a it's a really, really beautiful work from him. Um, it's it's very Afrocentric, um, a lot of African kind of instrumentation, um, which he handles very well. It's got a really memorable main theme. Um, not unlike some of the things that Zimmer used to do probably a decade earlier with his African stuff, uh, but not maybe not as on the nose maybe as, as Zimmer was back then. I mean, I'm not speaking against those scores from Zimmer at all. I love them. Some of my favorites, but it's probably what some of the appeal is here too. Uh, there's a track called A Goodbyes, which is absolutely beautiful. A little Tom and Thomas Newman-y, um, but really, really beautiful work, tender, delicate work. And then he's got these other action tracks that are propulsive and very visceral. And so it's a really textured uh, score. And I just don't hear a lot of conversation about that score anymore from him. And I think if you're into that kind of... Uh, more, more world beat uh, Afrocentric type of original scoring I would say to check out Blood Diamond in a hurry uh, it is it remains one of my favorites um, from him uh, so that was my choice although it narrowly built, beat out Hildalgo um, I love that score I love the score for Hildalgo it's just straight Americana action you know reminds me of some of his his older older Western works uh, at times, and so it just narrowly beat out uh, Hildalgo from I forget what year that was, like 2004 or five, something like that for Hildalgo. I can't remember. It was right. It was after. Was it after? That's somewhere in the mid 2000s, I think. But um, yeah, so my choice there is uh, Blood Diamond. Did you have any affinity for that score? That is one that I missed, so it's clearly underrated. Ah, yes. And I love James Newton Howard, so... <laughs> yes, Eureka. I'll have a listen as soon as you can. <laughs> and I'll listen to Stir of Echoes. Deal. All right. Uh, our next composer that we're going to be talking about is Michael Giacchino. I think some of our listeners have probably heard of him and heard of his many, 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 many <laughs> titles that he scored. So picking one of these, I changed it a couple of times, and I'll explain my answer in detail in a minute. Um, but why don't you go first? What did you pick as his most, or one of his most underrated scores? Well, it's difficult to find something that's underrated mm -hmm. with Giacchino, because I feel like I feel like there is a large affinity for him yes. in our community. Yes. And rightly so. Um so I went with Mission Impossible 3, which is going sort of towards the early part of his film career. Mm -hmm. um, and this was probably the first Mission Impossible that I saw in the theater. Mm. Um, I, I didn't see the first two in the theater. I saw them on DVD. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember seeing it with my aunt, <laughs> and just coming out just so pumped. Yeah. And part of that was definitely Giacchino. And I loved his use of Schifrin. And yes. it had sort of like this retro thriller feel. Yes. Felt. Yes. So, <laughs> and no electronics. And after, after Zimmer doing the score, that was actually like a huge left turn for the series. Oh, yeah. Um, so... 
Mission Impossible 3, for sure. Yeah, nice call. Especially with the conversation going on now about Mission Impossible. Oh, yeah. Please, please check it out. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, very interesting uh, choice there, given what's being discussed right now. And if you don't know what that is, just do a search on Twitter for, <laughs> for Mission Impossible Fallout score. and you'll Put on your pearls first so you can clutch them, <laughs> because a lot of that's been happening. Ah, uh, yes, indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, that's that's probably my, well, I think MI3 is, is fallen to my third favorite uh, Mission Impossible movie now. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, well, there's a lot of good music to choose from. Yes, absolutely so. Uh, but it definitely was a rescue. Ju- well, I shouldn't say rescue, but Mission Impossible <laughs> 2, the film, almost killed that thing. <laughs> and The birds. Yeah. The birds. And. And Mission Impossible 3 got it back on track, I think. Uh, so that's a good call. I chose something that's maybe not so obvious um, uh, because it does get talked about, at least by me, all the time when it comes to Michael Giacchino. And that is his score <laughs> for Jupiter Ascending. Um, mm. It's not underrated when it comes to film music fans as a whole. But... Uh, I think in terms of, you know, the, the the general public, they have some working knowledge of Michael Giacchino, uh, although they have no working knowledge of how to pronounce his name. Admittedly, I have had <laughs> a problem pronouncing his name correctly for a while, too. But um, they know his work. But few know of this work because few saw that film. And from those that did, most people hated it. And so... Everything is gets it is. I like it, but um, <laughs> I I, ha, I own it. That's how much I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's no small part, in no small part, due to his original score, which I still put at the top of my list of Michael Giacchino film work. Um, it is great music. It, it's fantastic, and yeah, I bring it up today to give it another plug because. You know, people say the words Jupiter Ascending and you just think, oh, that flop by the Wachowskis, another another horrible movie. There can't be anything good associated with that movie. But there there definitely is, if if oh, yes. nothing less than, than the score itself. That is uh, a masterwork. He treated that score like a magnum opus. He did. He did. <laughs> I think he was investing for a, a longer haul. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I think he was expecting um, and hoping for for a, a, a series of some sort. I'm sure, uh, but that the soundtrack release of it is fantastic with the with the four I think four movements mm-hmm. in it, and it's just man, it's just a fantastic listen. So if you've not listened to Jupiter Ascending, definitely, definitely check it out. Even if you don't see the film, I say see the film as well. It is it is a hoot. Um, to say the least, it is. It's. it's uh, it is a study in scenery chewing. Yeah, yes, it is. Um, <laughs> it's not. I don't know. I, it's hard to say. It's not good when you like it so much. But I can see how people would say that it's not a good movie. But it's just got so much in it, and. Um, it's supposed to be bananas. I, yeah, I guess so. I mean, they don't do anything that's not bananas. It can't not be bananas. (laughs) That's very true. Um, And so, yeah, Jupiter Ascending, check the score out. If nothing else, it it is worth your time. All right, let's move to one Mr. Jerry Goldsmith. What score do you have from from the great, the late great Jerry Goldsmith? My gosh, this is like... (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, there's so many. Mm-hmm. Um, but gosh, I love the 90s. Um, <laughs> I was actually talking with um, John Kaplan, Kaplan earlier, and he mentioned The Edge. So I listened to The Edge earlier, mm. but I still have to go with The River Wild. Okay. Um, which was a movie that I loved so much when I was like 13. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I was in eighth grade and wasn't into film music, but that was one that I could always hum mm. because I liked it so much. Right. It is it's great action um, from Goldsmith. It feels like an older score than it is. Mm. That's not, that's one I'm not familiar. I may have seen the film a long ago, and I don't recall much about it other than there's a river and people are on it and there are whitewater rapids, and that's it. Oh, uh, boy. That that movie was like the sensation of eighth grade's St. Mary Academy. <laughs> <laughs> we all loved was it. Was Kevin Bacon in that movie? Yes, he was. Okay. All right. Yeah, I do remember some things. Uh, <laughs> was Meryl Streep in that movie? Yes, she was. Oh, my gosh. It's so weird, the things that are coming back to my brain on this. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Um, oh, you just need Jerry Goldsmith I, I to have, come back to your brain. I have no clue what that's... What's it in the ballpark of? What do you mean? The score, is it, what's it like? Uh, is it like anything? Grassy, uh, drummy. <laughs> okay. He does. He does a lot of stuff that actually sounds... Uh, well, you know how he does um, sort of a, a Stravinsky-esque sort of thing with a lot of his work? Mm-hmm. He does that. Okay. Um, so there are parts that sound very right of spring, very percussive. Mm. Um, and, of course, he, Jerry Goldsmith loves a horn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I love <laughs> him for loving of, horns. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of staccato brass and a lot of brass work in it as well. Okay. Um, is it still available? Is it still out there? Oh, gosh. I don't know. Okay. Um, good question. All right. One well worth an answer. Yep. I'll have to dig around and see what I can find. I don't I don't think I own it, but uh, I will dig around and see. Um, hopefully, hopefully, it's on Spotify. Uh, I chose one that's not too old. I believe it's like 2001. Oh, no, 1999 is when The 13th Warrior came out. Um, that was I remember reviewing that score, and I didn't like it all that much when I reviewed it. I think, I think, and I haven't looked at this, but I'm guessing I gave it like a 7 out of 10 or so. Um, but I recently listened to it, and I was like, man, this is good stuff. Um, I don't know what I was thinking back in 1999, but that was 20 years ago, so give me a break. Um... Uh, but yeah, I really love that score. It's it's so. I mean, of course, it's it's got the brass, um, but it's so plodding and menacing, and big. And his choir work is always great. It's got all of the the, the Jerry Goldsmith hallmarks in it, and um, uh, it, it it gets it ascends when it needs to ascend, and it lifts you up with it. You know, heroically, and it also gets pretty doggone deep and dark and, and, and menacing. And so it's just one of, a really good fantasy score from him that, um, these days anyway, I don't see it getting talked about all that much. Um, no, I remember some chatter about it um, 
gosh, like 15 years ago or mm -hmm. what? But not now, no. Yeah. Yeah, and it's in the movie itself. Uh, when I first saw it, I didn't like it, and then I saw it years and years later, and I was like, "Oh, it's pretty good," you know. Uh, so <laughs> it's just weird how tastes change. But I just wanted to put it out there as as one: if you're a Goldsmith fan at all, um, and you've somehow not listened to the Thirteenth Warrior, then make sure you find a way to do so. I think it's on Spotify; it's probably everywhere. Uh, so mm. check it out. I have an answer for you on River Wild. Uh -huh. It's available from Entrada, two CD set, Ooh. Jerry Goldsmith, and a uh, unused score from Maurice Jarre. Oh wow, that yeah. man! An unused score from Maurice Jarre. I have to get that thing. Then, yep. how much is it? Bucks. Thirty bucks. Okay, yep. sold, sold. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to one, Mister James Horner. Uh, a man who scored his fair share of films in his day, mm -hmm. and certainly a lot of them have not gotten their due. Uh, what did you pick for him? I chose Casper, again, right. from the 90s. <laughs> yes, the great 1995. Yes. <laughs> um, I actually don't know if this is underrated or not. Um, I know a ton of people love the score. I love the score. Mm -hmm. It makes me tear up. I actually like this movie. It made me tear up. <laughs> I was like the target audience for it. Right. <laughs> when it came out, I was like a 14-year-old girl, and I totally ate it up. <laughs> um, because Devin Sa was cute. <laughs> <laughs> of course. And did you go see it with, what was his name, Chandler? <laughs> Chandler. <laughs> what was his name? Short Chance? <laughs> Oh, Colin, yes. I knew it was one of those kind of roofy British no, this names. Is, this is, this is pre-Colin. Oh, pre-Colin. Okay. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, that that is a... It's fun, but it has parts that are just heartbreaking. Oh, yeah. And Casper's lullaby is, is something mm -hmm. special. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, can I keep you? Like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> gosh, I'm going to get all get all weepy, misty. Fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, anyway, I think in that year, that. in 1995, it's definitely probably the most underrated of all his scores that came out that year. I mean, Braveheart, Apollo 13. Did Jumanji mm -hmm. come out that year? I want to say it might have been 96. I can't remember. Around then. Yeah, I mean, it was just. I mean. 95 was just fantastic and it's probably the least talked about of of the lot so that's a good call um i chose something from the following year 1996 which um offered us to jillian on her 37th birthday and uh, i think 96 he did spitfire grill as well i think i bought those two scores at the same time i was driving somewhere in the bay area in california i went to a Borders or Barnes and Nobles, and they were both there. I was just going, you know, remember when we used to flip through <laughs> the soundtrack section? You're like, oh, yeah. look, new stuff. And I grabbed both Spitfire Grill and To Jillian on 37 birthday. And I could easily put Spitfire Grill in this slot, but. I'm not familiar with either. Yeah, both. Uh, well, Spitfire Grill, great little indie movie. Um, very, it's got this folksy kind of vibe to it. Um, Really good, really good flick with oh, um, Ellen Bernstein, and I can't forget who I, I do forget who else was in it with her. But nice little film, great score. 
Um, and then to Jane on her 37th birthday, I had Michelle Pfeiffer and I can't remember the gentleman's name who played the lead. Um, the score is only like 30 minutes long, I think, at least the original one. And I think, did, did Perez do a release, a recent re-release of this one? I can't remember. feels like they did for some reason, but excellent score. I know the original release is, is very short, but just some really beautiful, beautiful thematic work. Um... It's very, very low-key, very small, but just one of his most beautiful themes that he's he's ever written. And um, small film, and so it just didn't get talked about very much. But highly, highly recommend to Jillian on her 37th birthday. All right, who's next? Alan Silvestri. Yes, uh, I added him in. Yes, I was like, <laughs> I don't remember that. There. Oh, well, yeah, that's good. Uh, he's got plenty <laughs> to choose from. Oh, yeah. And who did you choose? I chose What Lies Beneath, which is in 2000, not the 90s, but it's probably written in the 90s. <laughs> um, and it's kind of Sylvester does Herman. Um, I loved this score in college. This was one that was like permanently in my um, in my um, five disc CD mm-hmm. rotator <laughs> that I had in my dorm room. <laughs> nice. It was um, like that and ravenous were permanently in there. Interesting. Um, yeah, it's it is a solid suspense score from Sylvester. Okay. Now that's the one. That's the film they kind of slid in while they were filming um, Castaway, and they had to stop and let Tom Hanks lose a thousand pounds to do the second <laughs> half of the film, and so while they were waiting. They slid this into the mix, uh, which is which is interesting. I never saw the film. I think I saw bits and pieces. That was Michelle Pfeiffer as well, wasn't it? Michelle Pfeiffer and Harrison, and Harrison Ford. Ford. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. He, yeah, I remember some images from it. Basically, yes. uh, Zemeckis does Hitchcock. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, I can't remember much of the score, but your description of it makes me want to go back and and listen to it. Yeah, give it another listen. Okay. Um, it's been 18 years. I think I can go back and have a listen now. Yeah, I feel like I feel like at the time a lot of people didn't really like it. They thought it was kind of cliched. Mm. Um I I really liked it. Mm. It's I mean, yes, it's a little bit sparse. Mm-hmm. But everything can't be Sure. You know. Sure. sure, sure. Ready player one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but if it could be <laughs> oh my gosh. We're we're not going to do that show again. <laughs> no, we're not. We're not going to. Um so I picked something really recent uh, and that was his work for the 2016 film The Walk. Uh that score is just it's just a bunch of fun. I mean, it's so diverse and I remember when I first listened to it I was like, am I listening to the same score? I mean, he it kind of starts off with a number of the typical Sylvesterisms with the piano lead and the really long string lines and you know it has that that very identifiable force gumpy kind of uh, feel um, on the emotional side but then on a dime it switches and it busts into this jazz I mean just straight jazz and you're like wait what what just happened and then you go on further and it goes into this this French accordion kind of folksy uh, French stuff, and it's just like wow, it's just it's so diverse throughout that it's a really, really engaging listen on that level. 
Um, and no one talked about it at all. I mean, I don't know what else he had out in 2016, but I don't know if an Avenger film or something came out. No, it couldn't have been. Even if it did, he didn't do it. Um, it, it just didn't get talked about at all. And so I wanted to put it out there for something that's very recent that got no talk, no buzz, no nothing. If you want something with a lot of life in it and a lot of diversity to it, um, check out uh, The Walk. Did you listen to The Walk? I did, oh, but did. again, it probably came out at a time where a lot of other things that took up attention. But I do remember some some buzz around it around oh, really? awards season. Yeah, really. But yeah, I totally did. like a little like not a ton of buzz. Like it, it was certainly, I would certainly still put it in the underrated category. Hmm, okay. Um, yeah, I don't remember it getting talked about back then, or maybe I just missed it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but um, I wonder how many people listening even remember that movie. Uh, <laughs> it's just two years ago. Um, of course, it was about, I forget the gentleman's name, but the gentleman who did, who walked across the the uh, Twin Towers on a tightrope. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Gordon. Yeah. Uh, and it, I never saw the film, but um, I did listen to the score quite a bit. All right, so let's move on to our final composer, and we saved the best for last, just for Kristen. Um, <laughs> um, and that is none other than Mr. Hans Zimmer. Kristen, who do you have, or what score do you have for one of his most underrated? Contrary to popular belief, I do not dislike everything that Hans Zimmer has done. Okay. There's, there is a lot of early Zimmer that I like. I loved Interstellar. Okay, you say that every time, but okay. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm just, I'm just making it very, very clear <laughs> that no matter how much shit I give towards that whole thing, yeah. I, I do, I do admire his work. Okay. Somewhat. Okay. <laughs> so I chose A League of Their Own, um, which. It's not really what you would think of as a Zimmery yeah. score. It is actually a really good sports movie score. Um, <laughs> and if you go back and listen to it, it's actually very cheerful. Mm-hmm. And and there are parts that have deep melancholy because of the storyline with uh, Dottie's husband who's away mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. war um, and it becomes just so uplifting at the end when he returns and it's Bill Pullman and he's so handsome <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway um, yeah League okay. of Their Own that's a surprising that's, what was that 96 when did that come out gosh 94, 94 I think okay. another, another selection from the 90s uh, I yeah. I selected something from the 90s as well, 1993. Um, I never saw this film, and I stumbled across the score probably sometime in the early 2000s, um, and it's called The House of Spirits. And, man, this is a beautiful score. Um, it's only got, like, five or six tracks on it, but they are, like, ten minutes, nine minutes, seven minutes, six minutes. I mean, really long pieces, which I think that's when... Zimmer really shines is when he can do these really long, elaborate uh, things and and develop uh, his 
themes and motifs throughout. Um, and this one is just, it's got really, really beautiful stuff. I mean, you hear the synth coming through it all, but um, it's just, it's unhurried um, and it's just very, very beautiful stuff, which, uh, you know, I don't, he just doesn't write these type of scores anymore. And so if you have, I don't know, it's got to be, it's, it's a pretty long release, even though there's only five or six tracks on it. If you have the time to sit and listen through uh, and hear what he does, it's well worth the effort. I think the CD is still available. I think you can listen to it on, I think it's on Spotify. Um, I highly recommend you check out the House of Spirits. It's in that early Zimmer age, pre-Lion King, you know, pre Pre a lot of backdraft. Pre yeah, when was backdraft? What year is that? That after this. Uh, that was late nineties as well, I guess. No, no, mid nineties. That was like mid nineties. Yeah, this was super early Zimmer. Um, now, uh, one that I almost selected instead instead of the House of Spirits was Spanglish, which is just beautiful. I mean, it's he's got um, Hater per. Pereira playing guitar on it, and it's just a really, really beautiful score. Um, I almost picked that one, but I went a little deeper, cut a little deeper back to 1993 um, to pull out the House of Spirits. Have you heard that score? I haven't. Um, It looks like it's like a historical drama, and the movie's super long. It's like two hours, 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I never saw the flick. Um. Oh no, it's post backdraft. Oh, it is. Oh, wasn't backdraft? Yeah, backdraft was late. backdraft was ninety one. Okay, wow. I didn't realize it went back that far. Hmm. Yeah, it doesn't sound anything like backdraft. I'll tell you that much. Um, oh, League of Their Own's ninety two. Okay. I was wrong. Okay. Early nineties. <laughs> yeah. So I, I definitely recommend uh, you check out the House of Spirits if you if you want something different uh, from Zimmer of, of what of what he used to do back in the day. Um, all right. Well, those are pretty good, some pretty good titles. I know I'm going to be checking out a number yeah. of ones that you mentioned. Um, Same here. And those of you listening, I'm sure there are some things you'd like to say about either choices that we made or or the titles you would pick as some of the most underrated from these composers that we talked about today. So if you'd like to do that, very easy to do it. Um, send us an email at soundcast at tracksounds.com. Use our SpeakPipe widget to leave us a voicemail if you're the talking type. Or feel free to hit us up uh, on Twitter at Audio Soundcast or at TrackSounds. Or even leave us a comment on Facebook if you came to this episode via Facebook some kind of way. Uh, Kristen, if people want to get more juicy details on Presumed Innocent or Stir of Echoes... How would they be able to get that from you? <laughs> um, the easiest way to find me is on Twitter at KB for now. That's K-B-F-O-R-N-O-W. You can find FilmScore Monthly online at FSMOnlineMag.com. Also on Twitter at FSMOnlineMag. Hopefully we'll have a new issue out this week. <laughs> we are working on it. <laughs> nice. Nice. It better have something about Stir of Echoes in it. No, it doesn't. Although I did include Presumed Innocent in an editorial about a year ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's that's fairly recent. I was I was writing about my jury duty um, <laughs> playlist. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Which had, nice. Uh, did you publish the playlist? 
I didn't publish the playlist, but I talked about what was on it. And I also had uh, James Newton Howard on it for Primal Fear. So uh, Okay. Yeah. Very nice. So you're in a kind of intense mood for your jury duty. Well, I wanted things that were kind of courtroom themed. Hmm. Okay. Or crime themed. Makes sense. <laughs> Makes sense. Makes sense. But see, that implies that you're like going to be selected for the jury. I and that's really, not what you... I really wanted to be selected for the jury. This was oh, this was okay. my first jury duty, and then we got snowed out. So, oh wow! So it didn't really happen. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, I've been called many a times, and I finally got selected for one a couple years ago, and it wasn't the greatest experience I've ever had. Um, but I did my civic duty, so I hope I don't get called Good anytime for you. soon. Yeah. Um, so if you want to contact or follow me personally for any or reason, call you him can for do jury so. Duty. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> no! Don't do that. <laughs> it's such a hassle. Although it is our civic duty, so we must do what we must do. Um, you can hit me up on Twitter at c coleman. So that's going to wrap up episode 27 of Soundcast Stereo. And until our next episode, we want to tell you to keep it balanced. All right. That was fun. We could go on forever.